what is happening, guys? Welcome back to the King in It podcast with myself, Craig Holmes, and this little blueberry, beautiful gem, human. What you want? Kindred spirit. What you want? Do you need many? Amy Bannister. Hadouken! Hadouken! What do you want, though? Like, seriously? Nothing, babes. Just your company. Oh, legend. Lads, this is the last episode of season 10. No, no. season four, episode 10. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we've made it here. I know. 10 weeks we've been doing this for. Wow. Mad. And it's been brilliant. It has been great. I've really enjoyed this season. I've really enjoyed it as well. So I hope you guys have as well. Um, if you've randomly stumbled across episode 10. Yeah. Then welcome. Uh, welcome. <laughs> So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you some stuff. Hopefully this episode we're going to inspire you with some crazy stories. You're going to get your minds blown. It has been brilliant though, hasn't it? Like just picking 10 random episodes, random topics that you want to learn a bit more about, that you're interested in, like space, like true crime, yeah, like survivors of the universe. Once you leave school, you just stop learning, don't you? But like... I know we're not doing a massive amount of learning, but we've learned so much just by, like, yeah, like you yeah. said, just doing a bit of research. In different niches. Yeah. We're learning about really cool stuff. Like, and we're learning about things we want to learn about. Yeah, I guess which so. Which is the fun bit. Yeah. So if you missed the, the last episode, we, we talked about random selfless acts of kindness. Yes. Which was a proper tearjerker, wasn't it? It was, and I, I fear this one may have the same effect. Yeah. Bring your tissues. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to finish this season with a, a downer. We wanted to finish with some more inspiration, like the last episode. Yeah. Because we started looking at like natural disasters and things like that. But we were just like, oh, it's a bit heavy for bit heavy. the last one. So the finale, you know. So this one's going to, you're going to leave this feeling great. You're going to hopefully be really inspired. And um, hopefully we don't make you cry. But chances are you will. It's already happened to me today. I've already had a bit of a cry because of what I've been reading. Yeah, just a just a, a forewarning for this, like some of these stories, they they might be a little bit triggering. Some are set in war zones and they might be, yeah, just a little bit uncomfortable to listen to. Yeah, but the sort of overall stories are, they're going to leave you feeling like, oh, wow. Inspired. Those people are class. Yeah, heroes of the world. So this is the end episode. This is the last one. You know what that means, Craig. We're going to have a winner, aren't we? We're going to have a competition winner. <laughs> Who could it be? So it's too late now to enter. But yeah. um, what we've been saying is leave us a five-star review and we'll pick a random winner to win some King in It merchandise. So we're going to announce the winner at the end of this podcast. Oh, you cheeky devil. <laughs> we're not going to do it now because you have to listen to it all. Yeah. But it might it won't be right in the end. So you can't skip all the way to the end of the video You're just to evil. cheat. You're evil. We'll put it in there somewhere. But yeah, honestly, it's been so brilliant going through all of your comments and all of your all the reviews. reviews. Have been lovely. Yeah, some brilliant ones on there. Just a bunch of legends. Yeah. And we're sat at number fifteen now in the podcast charts for UK travel, UK travel and places. Who are we, Craig? Check us out. I love that. It's cool, isn't it? It makes me feel really cool. We did peak at number one. Uh, did we? Uh? About a year ago. Oh, we are still uh, still holding on to that. <laughs> little hole in your heart there that we're not still there mm, so we'll yeah there. if you even if you just like us if you like what we're about 
still leave us a comment even though you won't get anything out of it yeah leave us a review <laughs> leave us a random act of kindness yeah so last week we left you with a riddle um and i said if you know the answer then dm me or dm us and loads of you replied so amy knows the answer so the dms didn't i <laughs> so i'll read the riddle again if you in case you missed it so it was what is three sevenths chicken two thirds cat and two quarters goat now my brain was going mental. What was your first answer? A katsu, a cat curry from the Philippines. <laughs> How did you get to with that? With goat and chicken, if you pay extra. <laughs> <laughs> so you just went to a meal. I just went to food, of course I did. It's my first choice. Um, but yeah, then I kind of went to like a goddess that was made up of like half chicken, <laughs> half cat. It just, it didn't work for me. And then people were saying the answer in the DMs and I was like, okay. It makes sense. What I should have done is given you a clue. Uh, and if you still don't know, the clue I'll give you is it is a place. Pause this now if you want to have time to think. The answer is Chicago. Chicago. Perfect. Well done to everybody that got that. There were so many replies. I was obviously going to see it. So obviously three sevenths chicken is, is the... the Shit. What? Shit. Shit. Chicken is seven letters. So three of those letters is C H I. Two thirds cat, C A. Two go. quarters go, G O. So if you got that and you didn't Google it, hats off to you, you well bloody done. genius. Well done. Right, lads. So before we get into the episode, we are going to thank this season's sponsor, Absolute Legends again, Surfshark. Thank you so much, guys. Actually came in with Surfshark then. Surfshark. Yes. So Surfshark is something that if you're online, if you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you're definitely going to need. It's a couple of quid a month and it's basically like an online bodyguard. Surfshark encrypts all of your information that is on your phone, on your laptop. You just sort of buy it. It's an app kind of thing software you install it on your laptop people need to know this stuff because i'd be like what no it's just so it? technical you're so technical know, you're losing me i really am i really am uh, and then it goes on and you choose which country you would like to be in so if you're from the uk why are you doing that though and you want to hide your like ip address and you don't want people to know who you are where you are what you're doing online just pick a country just pick like perth in australia yeah connect to that and that's where people will think you are yeah, genius. It's really good because if Perth are showing like, I was going to say Wimbledon then, but that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> just say they were showing tennis that was only playing in Australia. You just say you're in Australia and that that streamline. What Amy's trying to say is if you're available. In, if you're in a country where you can't get access to like, you know, when you go online, you type in like, yeah, BBC iPlayer and you're in America and it's like your country doesn't have access to this website. Yeah. If you've got Surfshark, you change your location, boom, I'm in the UK and you can just watch it. Yeah, that, that's what I said, Craig. Yeah, that's what you would say. And if you're proper really... into Wimbledon in Australia, <laughs> you can buy yourself a t-shirt that says Wimbledon on it. If you've got your Surfshark on, it will give you the best price going. So if it's online and you're in the UK, chances are the prices of that t-shirt will be higher than say if you were in Indonesia. What Amy's trying to say is that there's a lot of price discrimination online, depending on where you're from. Yeah. So if you change your location to somewhere that's reasonably cheaper, yeah, chances are you get a better price. Is right. 
works for everything. Wimbledon t-shirts, flights, you, are you know, such a shampoo. confusing person. <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah, we use Surfshark all the time. You can put it on your laptop, you can put it on your mobile. It's unlimited devices as well, which is sick. Yeah, nobody um, can steal your stuff. Like, mm. you don't have to worry about anybody trying to, like, hack you or get your passwords or anything like that. You're just, you're, you're just safe. Safe online. And because we're just legends and we're just we always want to help you out. Acts of kindness Act and kindness, all that. Yeah. We got a deal for you. Deal. Just go to surfshark.deals forward slash R Y O W podcast. The offer is 83% off. Mental. And three months for free. For free. You're welcome. You're fully welcome. Boom. Okay, lads, inspirational people and their stories. Here we go. Do you want to take the floor, babes, or do you want me to go first? Um, I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm not going to let you go first, Craig. Okay. I've got a fella here. His name's Nicholas Lowinger. Have you heard of him? No. So Nicholas, when he was a tween, uh, he met a brother and sister. Ex- when he was a what? A tween. A what? Don't know what that means. Let me Google it. Why are you coming at me with words like that and then you don't even know what they mean? Short for tweenager. What's a tweenager? <laughs> when Nicholas was very young, he met a brother and sister experiencing homelessness. The pair took turns going to school because they shared one pair of shoes. Oh my goodness. Nicholas says that when he was like five years old, his mum took a, took him to a homeless shelter um, and he just got a brand new pair of shoes and he said he was in there and he could see all these kids with like, they were either barefoot or they just had really battered old shoes yeah. and he just couldn't believe that at five years old. Um, That's a great thing for his mother to do. Yeah, I know. I, I would never have thought about doing that for your son so young, you know, taking him and seeing what people don't have so he appreciates his life more, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's why she did it. It'd be a bit of a weird thing to do. Be like, this could be you. Well, no, it would be it would be a lesson of gratitude. and. I think they were there for a specific reason. I think they were there volunteering and doing something. Right, carry on then. <laughs> I don't think she was like, if you carry on... That's not what I meant. Yeah, I know that. Do you want to, do you want to fight or...? Right, Thomas, what was he doing? Nicholas. <laughs> so this brother and sister, what made it worse um, for the boy was that the shoes were pink and glittery. So when he would wear the shoes into school, he was just getting shredded by the kids, getting bullied, and it was making him really unhappy. So Nicholas gave the boy a pair of basketball trainers, um, and now that they both had their, sho- their shoes, they could go to school together. Nice. Uh, and the kid wasn't being bullied as much, and he was just happy to go to school. And he said, what? was incredible was the difference that that one pair of shoes made to that kid Mm -hmm. because he he didn't feel like himself you know he's literally borrowing his sister's shoes essentially to go to school so not only has he got a new pair they can both go to school together so they're missing out on education just because they didn't have shoes how crazy is that what country was this from this is in america Oh, right. So this guy's based in America, yeah. Okay. So then Nick came up with this idea for an organization and he called it Gotta Have Soul. Nice. And Nicholas started this when he was 12 years old. Really? What were you doing when you were 12? Because I was not starting an organization to help homeless children. I was probably drinking in a park on a bench. That sounds about right, yeah. What a legend. 12. 12 years old. Unbelievable. So... What they do is they donate brand new trainers to kids in homeless shelters to open up opportunities for them. That's amazing. And they provide them with skills they need 
when they get to the school as well. So it's not just like here's your shoes, Tara. They like teach them like you know people skills and things like that, and, That's so and cool. just generally just they have a place to like hang out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Footwear has been donated to over a hundred thousand children in homeless shelters. Um, and at the moment, they, I, I went on their website just to have a look and have a look at their social media. I was expecting it to be massive, but they've right. got like a thousand followers on I, Instagram. I found this with with looking through my people as well. Yeah, it's they unbelievable. Don't have that much of a following. Yeah, just like unreal stories that aren't really getting much. Yeah, coverage. Coverage. So yeah, they're doing a summer fundraiser at the moment, and they're trying to raise five thousand dollars to you know provide more homeless children with trainers yeah um so we'll leave the link in the video if you if you want to donate and, and there's going to be a few things coming up and yeah. we'll leave the links to all of them so if anyone any of them resonate with you yeah we'd love it if you went over to donate um to any of these organizations but what a guy what nicholas lowinger i mean isn't that crazy like this is this is the whole inspiring impact like now he's done that i'm like what can i do yeah what what can i do and the fact that He's the one that has pioneered this. He he started it, but there's been a hundred thousand peers donated. That's crazy. That's just one idea from one little boy, and everyone gets involved. Do you yeah. know? Yeah, and he then started an organization. Yeah, it's like a knock-on effect. That's all you need to do is you become that one person who comes up with the idea, and then hopefully all the kind people around you will help. So lovely. What a legend! That I was proper really tearing cool. up watching this story. Just so cool. Yeah. So so amazing. What have you got then, babes? Who's your inspirational person of the day? I have a few, but I'm going to start off um, with Malala Yousafzai. This girl is a legend. So Amy Amy did a lot of research and she told me who she was doing, but it was like a, a few hours before. Yeah. And then I came across her as well and I'd forgotten who she was looking for. So I did a bunch of research on her as well. So she's fascinating. So go on, Amy. Tell us about Malala. So Malala was born in Pakistan. All she wanted was an education, the same education provided to her male peers. She says, welcoming a baby girl is not always cause for celebration in Pakistan. But her father was determined to give her every opportunity that a boy would have, which is crazy. Pakistan, like we've been to India, which is really close to Pakistan. And I feel like I, I know the place, yeah. you know, mm. and the fact that women or children, girls don't have the same education as a boy. I just... I can't. So Malala's dad ran a girls' school in the village where they lived. Um, but when the Taliban moved in, they ordered the school to be shut down as they didn't believe that girls deserved um, an education. Nice one, Taliban. What on earth? What age are we living in? Do you know what I mean? Grow up, innit? It is so crazy. <laughs> Taliban, if you're listening, grow up. And this is like 2008, so it's not even like miles away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So when she was just 11 years old, she said... I said goodbye to my classmates, not knowing when, if ever, I would see them again. Can you imagine that as, a, as an 11-year-old girl? No. That's... That's the start of high school, and you, you're you just getting your education taken away from you, which means every opportunity probably in the future is being taken away from yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's not Yeah, it's not just you can't go to school. It's education is like a key to key. successful life, really. Yeah, yeah. Not one to be deterred. She continued to pursue her education. But in 2012, she was confronted by a gunman on her school bus. So she says, I spoke out publicly on behalf of girls and our right to learn. This made me a target. And she was only 15 at the time. Mental. I think she was she was speaking out from 11 to 15 until this happened. So in October 2012, on my way home from school, a masked gunman boarded my school bus and asked, who is Malala? 
Imagine, Fucking masked hell, with a gun, you would be absolutely at that terrified. age as well. I I used to get scared when like the local bully would get on the bus. Imagine yeah. like masked gunman to getting on, like it's mental. Do you have a local bully, babes? It was me. <laughs> I'm joking. That would make sense, then, would it, Craig? <laughs> Let me know who it is, right? And we'll go round there. I'm sure he probably lives in our hometown still. I'll have him for you. I think he threw a sandwich at my head once. Seriously? <laughs> Did he though? No, he didn't. Someone had a sandwich on their head, but it wasn't me. After he asked who was Malala, obviously she came forward, said who she was. He shot her in the left-hand side of her head. Mad. She says, I woke up 10 days later in hospital in Birmingham in England. The doctors and nurses told me about the attack and that people from all around the world were praying for my recovery. She says, after months of surgeries and rehabilitation, I joined my family in our new home in the UK. With her father, who she says has always been her ally and inspiration, she established the Malala Fund, a charity dedicated to giving every young girl an opportunity to achieve a future she chooses. So in recognition of her work, she became the youngest person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize in December 2014. She says, with more than 130 million girls out of school today, there is more work to be done. I hope you will join my fight for education and equality together. We can create a world where all girls can learn and lead. Absolute hero of a right. person. She's got it in built in her, haven't she, obviously? Yeah. When I was doing the research, I saw her on Ellen and the first few minutes I watched. Did you see it? No, no, I didn't watch any videos on her. She, um, she Ellen says about the shooting and she said... The build-up to that, she was so terrified of being attacked for what she was doing, really? for speaking out. Yeah. So she kind of lived in fear. Oh. And she said that the day that she got shot... <laughs> you okay? It's just so crazy. Like, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Um, She said the day that she got shot, like, all her fears just died that day. And so she was just like, I have to do something. And that's what made her sort of step into that, that position of, like, we need to change the world and... and so so fascinating and so brave it's unreal isn't it to go through that and just be like right i'm not i'm not scared anymore do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. mind-blowing what people go through that we don't ever see i think this is the the deep conversation that we had earlier and the real emotional chats we have about how we live our lives and you know how we we're kind of in one level of privilege being from the west being white being all of these things and what we've got going for us and we're just we're, we're forever grateful I, I know but i always feel like there's more we can be doing yeah and, and this kind of started last week when we were you know hearing all these stories of all these people doing all these things and yeah. you know the problems we've got i know everyone's problems are still their problems you can't sort of compare but uh, you know what we go through is trivial compared to what people live yeah, through yeah. it's mad it's really it really is so like amy and i i'm not sure what we're going to do yet but watch this space we're we're gonna really put our heads together and, and try and figure out how we can like help how we can tell people stories mm-hmm. use our platform to like raise awareness for people that we can help people who really need help yeah and we're buzzing to do it like we're like terrified and 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 it's really overwhelming to think about it but We've got to do something like that because at the moment, you know, I know we're providing entertainment for people, but we're just bumbling about, not really without a focus. That's you know? it. And and as you say, you know, off camera or whatever, you we still need to find our purpose mm. because at the moment, we obviously we love bumbling around Wales, creating videos, but there's something missing. And I do think it is that element of 
changing the world if it can be done, you know? Yeah, and not in like a, you know, like an egotistical way, but we feel like, you know, a year or two ago, we we were pretty skint and we were trying to make money but now we've got to the point where we're doing we're doing well and we're comfortable so now we've got the time to be like right how can we help other people yeah. and that's what we always want to do do you know what yeah. i mean we're not in this to just make loads of money we've always you know living by our, our, our mantra you know rule your own world what yeah. do we want to do yeah. how can we help other people yeah. because if you're not if you're not in this world to help people then what's the point yeah Sorry, this is getting really deep on this podcast today, but these stories have just thrown us for sex and we're just like, Like, they've engulfed us and we're just like so blown away by the bravery of people. mm -hmm. What a story that is next level. So if you you haven't heard of Malala before, just have a look at her website, read more into her story because it's super inspiring. And yeah, and it just goes on as well. After that, she she began studying philosophy and politics and economics uh, at the University of Oxford. Uh, and she says, every day I fight to ensure girls receive 12 years of free, safe, quality education. Uh, she's traveled loads of, to loads of countries to meet girls fighting poverty, wars, child marriage, gender discrimination to go to school. Uh, and the Malala Fund is working so that their stories can be heard around the world. We invest in developing countries, educators and activists. And five days ago, she was actually featured on the cover of British Vogue magazine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's amazing. No it's, it's amazing. Look at this photo. She's an absolute hero. Oh, she looks amazing. She's all in red. She's got her hijab on. You'd never know she was shot in the face either. They've obviously done a very good job of like plastic surgery and, and doing it all up and stuff. Yeah, it's apparent when she's on interviews because she's kind of, she's obviously lost the function of a lot of uh, one side of her face. Right. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, amazing. We could talk about her all day. We've got a couple of quick stories here. Um, Give me some quick stories, Quake. About Quake. <laughs> just call me Quake, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lady called Jessica Cox who was born without arms uh, and she she's used her legs and her unbelievable spirit of awesomeness to become the first licensed armless pilot. She can fly oh, planes with her legs. Shut up. How oh. bad is that? Honestly, I just want an ounce of her of her go determination. Yeah, uh, you know, you would kind of surrender to your to your disability in a way. A lot of people would. Yeah, you would just go. Oh, well, there's no way I can do that. So it's whatever. But if if she could just bottle up her her go getterness and her motivation, she could sell that for a price. She's great, man. I was looking into her. There's like loads of stuff that she's done. I'll, I'll keep reading. So she's also the first armless black belt in American Taekwondo. So she does everything with her legs. Everything with her legs. Yeah. I love that, and I love that she can do that. Like black belt, mate. They, oh. Just kick your head off. Oh my god. Kick your head clean off. Into the sky. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that. I'm not even a white belt. Is that the first one? <laughs> yeah, that's showing up, that is. You haven't I, even got that. I haven't even got half a belt, Craig, <laughs> to show. You haven't even got a gi. The suit? Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, so she says she refuses to use prosthetic arms. Jessica drives a car, types on a keyboard, pumps her own petrol and puts in contact lenses. She also scuba dives and has a psychology degree from the University of Arizona. What a girl. What a girl. And just just so I can like put a face to everything. Where are her arms cut off to? There, like a shoulder. She's her got shoulder. no she she she's, I think she's got, she's got a sho- no, she doesn't have a shoulder. Yeah. How, how she put her contact lenses in? With her feet. She does oh, everything with her feet. with her feet, yeah. 
So the photo is of her in a cockpit with her foot on like a modified steering wheel with all the little buttons and stuff. Oh my God. But I went on her YouTube, she's got a YouTube channel. Does she? Yeah, so make sure you go and subscribe, Jessica Cox. She basically just shows you how she lives her life. Amazing. So she does videos on everything. Like I was watching one where it was... um, like using her feet to cook a meal yeah. and she's like chopping up eggs and stuff with her feet oh my god it's amazing it's fascinating it's just it goes to show like you put your mind to anything and you know she's just adapted yeah. and she refuses to use the arms and she gets by she's that is mad incredible and i watched her driving a car as well yeah it's mad she's got she's got two pedals one for brake one for accelerator with her right foot and with her left foot she just has it up and she just moves the steering wheel I'm with her steering. left foot it's amazing I honestly I really really take my hat off to people like that yeah they just don't let anything they feel us they don't let anything like I'm sure she's been bothered in the past and you know trying to get to actually this point of doing it has has probably been like sincerely hard yeah but wow it's incredible watching her because her hand her feet are almost like hands her toes move and she's got so much flexibility she can like grab knives and just like almost grab things with her feet It's amazing. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. What a girl. All right, so I'm going to talk about a doctor. Okay. And I'm quite loving that, the fact that all of these um, inspirational people have been women so far. Yeah. Do you have any men? Uh, I do, yeah, I've got two. All right, cool. This story is about Dr. Amani Balor. She's Syrian-born. She took a degree in mechanical engineering against her father's wishes and received opposition from her family due to gender-based expectations. It's mad that that's still a thing, isn't it? It is. It really is. So her family, particularly her father, refused to support her until eventually she shifted her degree to paediatrics, which is to care for children. Mm -hmm. Kids doctor type of thing. She began studying paediatrics until she immediately abandoned it to help the casualties of the Syrian civil war. So if you've never heard of her before, then you should take some time to watch. She's got a documentary. We haven't watched it yet, but I'm like, it's it's happening tonight. So um, it's an Oscar-nominated documentary called The Cave. Oh, cool. And this talks all about her life, what she's done, like how many people she saved, et cetera, et cetera. Can't wait to watch that. that I know. Really interesting. Grab the tissues again, I think. So the film features Amani and her courageous efforts to save lives in Syria. She she basically runs an underground hospital in eastern Ghouta. Underground as in they're not allowed to be doing it? or Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a secret hospital. Bloody hell. It ends up being a secret ho- hospital. She says, men in our community say, no, you should stay at home or you can work in your clinic, but you are not to be the manager of a hospital because she's a woman. She says, I insist, and I want to challenge them and prove that women can do this work also. I have to support women because if I succeed, then all women will be supported. Yeah. And I love that. Go for it, girl. Like, you know. I just, yeah. I mean, this is a a completely different topic. Well, it's the same topic, but you could do a whole podcast on this. But why, why aren't there more women in charge? Why are there, why is it all men? Yeah. It's just it's, it's societal norms, isn't it, that have been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. But it's like it makes it makes perfect sense for for women to be in charge and to be in higher positions. Yeah. Like it doesn't always need to be men. But here we go. Moving on. You you type in um, the world's most inspiring people and the top ten are men. 
mm. written by Google. So Google have the word. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Amani had to abandon her studies when she was summoned by neighbours to treat their 12-year-old wounded boy. So the boy was a victim of the government's attempt to crush protesters. Nice. Um, nice nicely worded nice line. Nice work. Uh, he was a bystander and he was shot in the head with a bullet. 12, 12 years old. The boy's family were worried that the authorities would seize him if they went to the hospital, so they went to Amani instead. So she started as a volunteer in a nearby rebel stronghold hospital. And I was like, what is a rebel stronghold? I was reading the definition and it just gave me anxiety, like wondering what she would have gone through being there. Yeah. What on earth would it have been like? So it says it's a building opposition that is strongly defended. Yeah. So uh, obviously... the, the rebels are the ones who are fighting against the government, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. Rebels. Yeah. yeah. So she was a volunteer and she ran the hospital while bombs fell around her. Like that just in, in itself as a sentence is absolutely terrifying. I know. Do you know what I mean? Never mind being a woman and going against any kind of orders of her not being allowed in this hospital, never mind helping people and running the show. Yeah, so she's she's not yeah, not only putting herself out there, putting herself in, in danger. Extreme danger. But then she's putting herself in more danger with the actual bombs going off around yeah. her. Yeah. Like that's how much that's how much she wants to help. Yeah. She's willing to do that. Yeah. Like that is pure heart, isn't it? No questions asked, like she's there. So the hospital operated uh, despite frequent attacks from the government until authorities successfully seized the area. So there was 13 doctors there and Amani decided they're going to continue this operation underground. So beneath the building that they were in, they all just went underground through all these tunnels and set up like a secret hospital there. Ah. So um, this this clinic was eventually known as The Cave, hence the, the documentary called The Cave. Um, as its popularity grew, more medical volunteers appeared, which is really cool. And the hospital thrived despite the siege. So they were able to like smuggle in medical stocks paid by international and local non-government organisations. And they also like took equipment from other hospitals that had been bombed and destroyed. She wasn't a trauma surgeon, but recalled treating victims with missing limbs and victims of chemical attacks. So the government is literally... Something I didn't I didn't read it properly, but it had something to do with um, chlorine. Bloody hell! The government bombed the hospital many times. She kept a detailed journal about the days and the attacks, which I think helped with the the film making of the documentary. Yeah. So yeah, in 2016, at just 29 years old, Amani was elected and promoted as the hospital director. Yes, go on, girl. She became the first and only woman to manage a hospital in Syria. She ran the hospital until 2018, and then she was exiled. Really? I'm guessing people found out. So she wasn't like, it wasn't accepted that she was running this yeah, hospital. Yeah. I'm guessing this is just the underground one still. So she was forced to flee Syria and spent some time living in a refugee camp in Turkey. But she's now opened a charitable foundation. It's called the Amal Fund, and this supports women and children in conflict zones. Absolutely incredible. She is a woman. What a force. You just, I, I, I just, I don't know what to say about her. You, you wonder if you put yourself in that situation, would you do the same? Mm. Would you? I mean, it would be, it's really, it's hard, really hard to put yourself in her shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard enough. Imagine like it, it's hard enough when your parents 
are like when you when we say like oh we're going to do the Mongol Valley and they're like oh I'm not sure if you're going to be doing you, you sh- I'm not sure if you should do safe. that I don't know if the country would be safe but imagine your parents just flat out saying no you shouldn't be doing that because you're a female yeah or uh, do you know what I mean not not even just that just like oh no you can't be a doctor because you're a female yeah. It's preposterous. It really is crazy. She had an interview um, and she mentions not having the right medicine in the beginning and so many people, including children and people with cancer, would die. Oh, you no just don't way. think about that, do you? Yeah. What do, what do cancer patients do? Like, treatment doesn't stop. Yeah, true, yeah. I, I had treatment every week, but some people have it every day. Yeah, Where yeah. are you going for this? Do you know what I mean? You would feel so helpless. Like, nobody can help you. Yeah. So, she, so she's an angel in disguise, you know, her trying to help all of these people, children, victims of, of like bomb attacks, people with injuries, people with cancer. She's doing it all. It's really mad. She says having the film come out was extremely dangerous for her family back in Syria, but she knew she needed to make it. Um, they're safe. None of them have been hurt, but they don't feel safe. So it's not a way to live, is it? Like no living way, in fear all the time. No way. The situation in Syria is just diabolical and yeah. it's been going on for so long now and yeah i do feel like the world's just letting them all down big time who like again we're obviously not the smartest people to know who should be going in and sorting this out there's yeah. millions of people on the streets sleeping under trees just with no shoes with no food no food craig they've got no food this is their government and it just it just oh, i don't know this is it what can we do like, yeah, what, what can me and you, our small two people, what can we do? Well, we can go, make films, go places and make films. And, yeah. and, you know, this is part of it. He's telling people on the podcast yeah. about it and they can do their own research and yeah. donate to places. But, yeah, we definitely need to do something, don't yeah. we? Do- donations are big with this because obviously, it, obviously it's Syria. The, 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 cha- the organisations that I've looked into that's, you know, you can apply to go abroad with them and, and volunteer. I don't think anyone's sending you to Syria, are they? No. They wouldn't put you in that danger. So we can't physically go um, to try and, I don't know, bring in medicine, help with food. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so many children there whose parents have died, Craig. They're orphans. They're not getting help. They're just there. Yeah. What, what are you supposed to do? I just think I would fucking break my heart. Yeah, I mean, I say I'd love to go and help, but being there, I think it would break me. Yeah, and I think this is the thing, like, you know, they say, like, ignorance is bliss, and I'm not saying let's turn a blind eye, but if you if you really look at it straight yeah. on, yeah. you look at what's going on there, it is so, so awful. Just, and, it's just so unfair. And so unfair on the people, yeah. And, and I think once you go down that path of like how can i help and you get involved and you see what's going on yeah. i don't think you you could ever live a normal life again no way. you couldn't come home and you know go on your iphone and go on tiktok and do all the stuff that we do without just constantly thinking about it yeah. I, I think it would be something if you took on you, you could never stop yeah it would be 100 yeah. percent. and i'm okay with that yeah i'm really okay with that you know you, we, I guess we don't know enough about Syria. We don't know what's going on with the government, why why this is all happening. I haven't looked into it enough. I just see the the disaster that it's left behind, you know, mm-hmm. and and that could never be finished. You know, we could never go and go, all right, we've sorted that now, you know. Yeah. So that, that would be a big thing for me as well is going and helping as much as I can, but knowing it can't be fixed, like... 
at the click of a button, you know. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it would it would just. I feel like we need to do this now, after all of the podcasts that we've been listening to, and and all of the the like emotional effects that it's had on us. Why can't we do this? Why shouldn't we do this? Mm. Because we can definitely. Okay, my next story is uh, a kid called Iqbal Masi, born in Pakistan in 1983. Have you heard Iqbal's story before? No. This is mad. So at the age of four, Iqbal was sold by his father to a carpet factory for 600 rupees, which is about eight pounds. Oh my God. To pay for the wedding of his eldest son. Are you joking me? Like that as a sentence is just like... What is going on? It's quite hard to process that, but you have to realize that that's a true sentence. Like, it's not even in a film. That's real. That happened. Did to him. he want? Did he want to to get rid of his child, or was it like a pride thing? He need the money. I guess he just need. Yeah, I mean, surely but, but you could just hell? just go up, son. You're not going to get married. So he was sold to this carpet factory, and uh, he ended up working in uh, in a child labor camp. So he would work for twelve hours a day, seven days a week chained to an iron grid making carpets oh my god uh, and he was subject to constant beatings who who on earth would treat anybody like that like what's the neat what's the point what is the point in that it's all all boils back to the same thing and it? it's money it's, it's yeah it's... but he could do that not chained up not having beatings do you know what i mean yeah well he probably well so he ended up escaping so i think that's why they they chain him up so he escaped child slavery at 10 years old. So he did that for six years. He, oh, he had God. to endure that for six years. But because of the conditions he was forced to work in, he had the height and weight of a six-year-old, oh which is mad. He's tiny. Like you see pictures of him, he's really small. God. After his escape, with the help of bricklayer unions, he spent his time talking about the abuse of Pakistani children. He became a leader in the movement to put an end to it once and for all. He helped over 3,000 children escape bondage and traveled the globe speaking out against the issue. Yes, Iqbal, what a what guy. What an absolute hero. I love that. I love that people put that because it would be so emotional for him to even probably think back to that time. Yeah. Never mind, like, he was probably terrified that they might come and get him again. Yeah. You know, or even kill him. So to speak up like that for anybody who does that is just so powerful. Yeah, unbelievable. So it's unfortunately, there's a sad ending for Iqbal. So he was assassinated when he was 12 years old. 12. So whilst he was out on his bike, somebody from like the, the carpet mafia, it says here, um, shot him um, because they, they found out what he was doing and, and how he was speaking out against it. Um, so 12 years old, he was, he was killed and roughly 800 people attended his funeral service. Um, however, his legacy lives on well beyond his death. Good. So in 2009, Congress started an annual award in his name given to activists fighting to end child labor. Amazing. So he sparked that movement, which is amazing. But what a guy to, to live that life, come out and then spend those, you know, couple of years just speaking out and being the voice after going through that, um, you know, putting him in, in that position where he ended up getting killed as well. And he must have known that that could have been a, course, the outcome. Yeah. Just so brave. Brave of him to do that. And look what he started. Yeah. Now people... 
uh, what's our widest audience? The UK. Now people in the UK know of Iqbal and, yeah. his, and his doings. He's still like resonating like all these years later. So that yeah. was in 1983 he was born. Wow. And he died at 12 years old. So it would have been like 1995. Oh, I can't believe it. Madness. <laughs> right, I got another legend of a human here. This fella is called Calvin Doe. And he is one of Sierra Leone's most famous inventors who got started when he began looking for ways to fix local problems with technology as an 11-year-old. Oh, shit. You make me look bad. <laughs> what have you fixed around the bus lately, babes? Huh? That's what I thought. H hang on a minute. There's got to be something. You fixed a meal or two. You mean sexist? No, it's the truth. <laughs> By 13, he was powering neighborhood houses with batteries made out of acid, soda, and metal in tin cups. What? <laughs> but how do you know how to do that? Like, what a legend. Someone's taught him that. Who's taught him that, though? It says he went on to build a community radio station out of recycled parts. Oh, my God. <laughs> you must he, have a dodgy uncle. And it was powered with a generator also made out of reused materials. David Senger, a PhD student at the MIT Media Lab, and Calvin's mentor, there we go, so we've got a mentor. Yeah. So he must have some sort of access to the internet. And he's like, how do I build this? And he's like, do this. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, in Sierra Leone, other young people suddenly feel like they can be like Calvin. I love that. How good is that? That's it. So yeah, Calvin's just out there doing his thing, helping the community with his inventions. Um, I think he's like 20 years old now. This is a while ago I read this, but now he's in Canada and he's doing like a PhD in something mad and he's carrying on inventing nice. stuff. He's a very yeah. smart guy. Smart dude, yeah. I love that. But yeah, I often think like, why would someone inspire me? Mm -hmm. Why would someone inspire you, Craig? I think there's two there's two types of people that inspire me. There's people who go out there and do things that they, they don't have to do. So they purposely go, right, I'm going to do this. It's completely selfless. Yeah. I'm going to start a charity or an organization and I'm going to help people just because I want to be kind. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is just the epitome of like a great person. And also the other people who inspire me are people who are put in situations where they're completely backed into a corner, but they do everything that they can do to survive. And then when they get out of that situation, they then tell their story bravely yeah. after the trauma mm -hmm. to then aid and help other people. So whenever I hear either of those two, I'm just like, we need to get out there and do some stuff. Do you know That's what I mean? That, yeah. What about you? Well, I wrote it down earlier because you know my my brain in the retention of the last. It's not that great. <laughs> Come on, um, but I think people highlighting the most important things that are going on in the world today. You know, people actually speaking out, speaking up, and talking the truth about things, um, having the voice of reason and a good platform to speak out and stand up for people that might need it. Someone who says things that like I strongly agree with that leads me on to. It inspires me to be a better person. It makes me want to go, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna tell that message to people as well. Yeah, just, just people that do more for the world, isn't it? Do more for the world. Speak the truth yeah. because the problem with this world is there's so much corruption, there's so much greed, yeah. and that's all it's about at the end of the day. You know, with all these government conflicts, it's all politics, and all the problem with it is, is that the general population and the innocent people end up getting caught in the crossfire. Yeah when people are just being greedy and egotistical. It's like, I just want to own that country or I want to, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's just like, just stop it. Stop being greedy and start helping each other. So, I mean, we you know could be I mean? those people that go in and like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What on earth are you doing? Get in jail. Get in jail. Get you in jail. Kid.
Yeah, somebody that like influences me and my life and influences like my, oh, my thoughts. You didn't have to talk about me on the podcast. You're hilarious. Wheels. <laughs> Is? Is somebody that inspires me. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a person. No, no, I, I do have a person. Um, this is just like, there's a girl I follow, Jamila Jamil, you know her. Mm-hmm. She's like a, she's not like a doctor or climate change activist. She's like a journalist and TV presenter, but she talks sense to me. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot mm. about good, good stuff. She like, uh, in her bio, it says she's a feminist in progress. She shuts down the media for printing bad articles about women who, like and their weight or their beauty or if they've had some work done and just a badness Mm -hmm. that women do not need to hear yeah you know because women are are relentless with you know putting themselves down thinking they've gained some weight going on this fad diet she shuts all that down Mm -hmm. and i love it she talks about the lgbtq plus community their rights her struggle with anxiety palestine she urges people to like educate themselves on the problems that we've got in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's great. She she promotes Black Lives Matter, um, that movement. She talks about women's rights. And so she brings all of these like ideas, problems, concepts to the forefront. She mm-hmm. addresses them and she makes you educate yourself on them too. And I think it's really good. She's just really outspoken. She's feisty. She's great. She's a great role, role model for women of any age, Yeah, really. Do you know who is a good, great role model? Yeah. You, babes. Me? Yeah. Because you, you talk openly about your anxiety. You inspire girls to just go out there and be themselves, wear the clothes they want to wear. You know, you're so, you're just, you are a great role model for people because you tell the truth. You you speak your mind. You go out there. You've, you know, you've done all of this incredible stuff. And yeah, I think a lot of girls really look up to you. And like, especially, you know, just hearing you on this podcast talk about how you want to change the world. Like, we need more people like you in the world, babes. I'm trying my best, Craig. On a, on a very minute scale. You're doing your bit, babes. But yeah, I, I want to do more and I want to do bigger things. That's I don't good. need to be a household name. Do you know what I mean? I don't need... Yeah, it's not, we're not in it f- for fame. Oh, like. no, no. I just mean... Isn't it a weird thing, though? Like, what we do, like, in order to gain more money, you need to gain more following, which in turn... People sort of say, oh, you're famous. But we that's far from what we want to be. We don't want to be famous. We just want people we want people to watch us or hear us and go out and live their lives because we know we we can do it. Yeah. And if you don't know the full backstory of me and Amy, like in a nutshell, we both worked from like a really young age. We never had any handouts from our parents. We worked really hard, saved a bunch of money, started traveling, uh, and started filming it. And we just it just grew from there we'd like turned it into a business by you know having different revenue streams and things like that so yeah i think anybody who watches us or listens to us and and you you've got an idea or a dream or something you want to go after you can just do it you just have to take the first steps and i know Amen, it's like brother. really overwhelming sometimes to be like right this is the end goal how the fuck do i get there yeah but if you just take the first step be like right i'm going to do part one mm-hmm. tomorrow yes then you're on your way there do you know what i mean it. It, and and the problem in today's society is people, they want quick yeah. rewards. They want to make yeah. make it. They want to be TikTok famous in a week. Mm-hmm. They want to do be a massive YouTube channel in three months. But if you just take your time and make a plan and stick to it, then you can do anything you want. And stick to your... Your why. 
stick to your yeah especially your why but but be yourself mm-hmm. bottom line like don't ever try and be anybody else that you're not um and do what you're passionate about like you know we've got a friend steve yallow he's got a, a youtube channel and he he just talked openly about creating videos that he didn't want to make yeah. in order to get views on it okay yeah and it's like we understand a lot of people do that and it is a circle of you know trying to trying to grow on youtube and, and make this a full-time thing but sticking to your your pride and your yeah yeah you know the reasons why you've started this and not selling out in a way yeah so yeah you do you right don't follow the crowd don't look at anybody else and copy what they're doing like you are you and you do you better than anybody yeah. so you need to make sure what you're bringing is your unique self then yeah. nobody can copy that really nobody can copy that and nobody can question you either yeah. and i think for me and you like from the beginning we've been as transparent as possible yeah you know we've talked about our counseling we've talked about how no this isn't a perfect life and we we are fully grateful for it it's yeah. it's a blessing that what oh, we yeah. do um but yeah just stick to what you know stick to being you shout out to steve yallow as well if you haven't yeah. seen his youtube channel he's a great guy steve yeah he is. And he's done some great videos as well and, and he's really authentic steve as well he doesn't yeah. try to be someone he's not mm-hmm. he, he is who he is so yeah. love to meet him one day all right so I'll, I'll just make this one really quick but it is a really cool one so you're gonna know who i mean when i mention sean swarner sean absolute hero yeah yeah in a nutshell sean swarner where's he from America. He's from America somewhere. America somewhere. And uh, he was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, same as me, at age 13. He was given three months to live. Imagine. Imagine. At 13 as well. Mm. He didn't really know what was going on. Like, whenever anybody anybody would ask his parents, he would just be like, they'd just say, Sean's sick. So Mm. he didn't really know. All he knew was he was losing a lot of hair and he was gaining a lot of weight. So after pulling chunks of hair out of the drain, he asked himself, why would I give up and die? Like, why wouldn't I fight? And this is what this dude's all about. He's mm. just like, he's he is a fighter. He is a, a, a ray of hope for anybody going through cancer. Yeah. He is, he's now a motivational speaker, uh, an inspirational speaker. So he beat that cancer. So nearly two years after he's beaten it, in remission for nearly two years, he gets diagnosed again. It wasn't a relapse. It was a brand new cancer. So he was diagnosed with Askin sarcoma. And it was a very rare one to have. So in the whole world, Sean is the only person to ever be diagnosed with Hodgkin's and Askins really? in his lifetime. That's madness. Yeah. Sean described the odds of survival as winning the lottery four times in a row with the same numbers. What? Yeah, like massive odds. That's, wow. Obviously, at this point, it would have been really easy for Sean to just be like, oh, fuck it. Like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. Why is this happening to me again? Mm-hmm. He's just been through so much, like, strain put on his body, all of the like poison that's gone into him and now he has to do it all over again and that it, it doesn't worry me that it would come back but if it did come back i would be crushed because mm-hmm. you don't realize what a cancer patient goes through unless you're going through it with them you know yeah it is a lot um his fighting spirit and inner will helped him along day to day thinking of reaching a positive outcome sean says i wasn't focusing on dying i was focusing on living even though the doctor told him he only had two weeks to live. Two weeks. Imagine that. Like, what would go through your brain? Like, I'm saying it here, but imagine you were told it. What would you do, Craig? You don't even know, do you? No. Because you'd be, you'd be like such a mixture of emotions. Would you be angry? Would you be sad? Would you be like absolutely gutted that you're going to leave this earth? Or 
Would you accept it? I, you just can't even fathom it because the way I, I this is an interesting question. How do you when you picture time and when you picture weeks to weeks and months to months? How do you see it in in your brain? Like, is it a picture or do you know what I mean? Uh, it's like a calendar, I guess. Uh huh. So you just see a calendar with the days. Kind of thing, yeah. Because mine's like the weekdays are like lower and in a row, and then the, the weekends like up on a block. You live for the weekend, yeah. <laughs> Just how I my brain sees it. Okay. So so to say, if someone was like, "You've got two weeks left," like in my head, it's like weeks like pan out like that as a visual. Yeah. And then the months I see like bigger. Yeah. But imagine like when when you said that, I'm like seeing two weeks and then just blackness and, that's it. and nothingness, and I can't even imagine. I don't know. I don't know how I would feel. I don't know mm -hmm. what you'd want to do. You know. No. Because you know, I know people that have been given six months to live. But even with that, you know, you would stop your treatment and you would you would go and do something. Yeah. You know, you you but but two weeks is like such a short amount of time. But anyway, um he had uh, more treatments that included chemo and he was put into a medically induced coma and he survived. So he came out the other side. He says he was in a hospital bed one day and he saw an Iron Man on TV and he was like, If I survive, I'm gonna do that. An Iron Man, I thought you meant like the movies. No, as I in like the triathlete. Triathletes, triathlons. The triathlons, yeah. The the Iron Man, yeah. So um, instead, he started with Mount Everest. <laughs> so he knew that if someone who had overcome cancer reached the top of the highest peak in the world, it would be a huge beacon of hope for so many other people around the world that were struggling with their own illnesses. What guy? So remember, he only had one lung, which mm. would have made this like so hard. So he had to train for it. Um, despite the doubts of almost everyone he knew, he poured his heart and soul into his effort. And nine months later, he was at Everest uh, base camp, ready to make his way up the mountain. Um, but he was the first ever cancer survivor to sum summit Mount Everest. Really? Yes. That's incredible. With one lung, Craig. With one lung. I couldn't even do it with four. Like a friend of ours, Jeff Smith, shout out to Jeff. Uh, yes. He's climbed Everest and he had to use oxygen. And he's like a super fit guy super with two fit. lungs. Yeah. He's got some stories as well, haven't he, Jeff? Yeah. Hats off to Jeff, though, for doing Everest yeah. and for and to Sean for doing it with one lung. That is mind-blowing. But since then, he's gone on to complete the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. He's trekked to the North Pole and he's climbed the Seven Summits, which is the tallest peak in each continent. That's so cool, man. What with one guy. lung. So, yeah, he's now a, a, an inspirational speaker. He's got a book out and he just encourages other cancer survivors to reach new heights. He's he's great, Sean. He's we, such a we've good. We've met energy. him. Yeah, we 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 were lucky enough to hear him speak. Yes. Um We went to a, a conference called Finding Sense of Tumor. Well, it's like a. Yeah. How would you describe it? Um, it's just like um all the younger sort of under twenty five year olds get invited to center parks, which is just like a like a holiday camp thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, in the middle of this massive forest in England somewhere. Everybody that's been diagnosed with cancer or currently has it, I think you can go if you still have it. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, and we all just get together. We all talk. It's huge. There's like a big conference room with loads of chairs and you just sit there and you watch like dances. You listen to motivational speakers. You hear people talk about their stories if they're like crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just such a brilliant weekend for like so many people so many young people diagnosed with cancer to just know they're not the only person. Yeah. Because I was 17 when I was diagnosed and I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm 17, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm I'm at my peak. Mm. I'm not, you know, 
a three-year-old who maybe might be more susceptible to anything like that, you know, like leukemias and things that, that younger children have. And I'm not 80 where you would know mo most of the people, like grandparents and things, to die of cancers. Yeah. So, yeah, when I was first diagnosed, I was like, I am the only person. I'm the only one because there were so many old people in like the hospital rooms yeah, with yeah. me. But yeah, going to that, it just, there's something about talking to somebody who's been through the same thing as you. Nobody else can quite understand. Mm -hmm. And we just get chatting. Like you just chat until midnight and then, yeah, you can use all their facilities and there's like swimming pools and there's, you just all have dinner together. And it's it was lovely, wasn't it? I got to take you one year. Yeah, that was the one year that we went and we got to see Sean. And I remember hearing him and I was just like, that when I was saying earlier about people just defying odds yeah. and just that's pure inspiration for me. Yeah. Hearing that, it's just like, why could, you know, you can do anything. You, you put can. your mind to it. You really can. The power of the human mind. It, absolutely. I, I ended up Googling, how can you be more inspiring? And Google says to me, you have to genuinely care about people. You have to be engaging. That means listening, asking for the right questions, spending real time with people and being mindful in order to remember the things that matter. Be kind and people will follow. Be strong, be motivated and determined in life. Don't let silly things get in your way. Speak up and people will follow, as long as you're not chatting shite. Do good in this world. Is that what Google said? Yeah. No, I said that. <laughs> this last bit's all me. Do good in this world and you will inspire many to follow. Lovely, babes. So that is it for the season, lads. Hopefully you feel inspired after listening to that and you're ready to go out there, make a change, rule your own world, start yeah. kinging it and all the rest of it. Do it. Do it, man. I'm ready. I just need to put some steps into place. Yeah. We, we do. Yeah, we do. But yeah, if you... I'll just, just put it out there. If you've got any, like organizations or if you feel strongly about anything you think we should look into or any documentaries that will resonate anything like that yeah give us a, give us a dm on instagram like we'd Pop. love to know more about the world and who needs help we're going to keep the tradition going we're going to finish the podcast in the usual way uh with a would you rather and a riddle but obviously i'm not going to wait till next season to give the answer to the riddle i'll just give it to you today right, right. so when was the tradition of would you rather when did that start I was oh like that started I started mid-season, mid -season. yeah. Yeah, so we're still going. I've got a belter this week. Right, go on then. Um, we're also going to announce the winner soon, so stay tuned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully you're nervous. So would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? Couple of questions. <laughs> yep. The time machine. Mm -hmm. Do I age? Do you age? No. Can I go back in age? Um... Well, yeah, that's what no, it would be like Back to the Future time machine. So if you go back, your your previous self All right, is there. All right, teleporter then, please, Nige. For... Where are you going to go? Oh, I mean, can I borrow Harry Potter's invisibility cloak? What do you need that for? So people can't see me, Craig. What do you think? Well, you've got a teleporter. Where are you if going? If I go to North Korea, I'll be shot straight away. <laughs> what are you going there for? I want to have a look. <laughs> of all the places in the world you could go you want to teleport yourself to north korea hey i'm a put yourself in danger i'm a pioneer now i'm gonna change the world you can us a nobel peace prize for teleporting to north korea yeah i don't want to go to like barbados or something you know what i'm like in the heat there's pigs on the beach there though oh shit dilemma you're hang on like 
It's my answer. Stop <laughs> always jumping in. All right, teleport us to I North Korea. I will take a pig with me to North Korea <laughs> as a sidekick. Miniature. He will be able to fit underneath the invisibility. That was a TV show I've ever heard one. <laughs> and kids run, like Bernard's watch. Yeah. <laughs> Captain B's pig. Amy and the miniature pig time Maybe machine. you get a collab with Percy... What's her name? Percy Pig. Peppa Pig. Percy's oh. cousin. I mean, there's money in that. Listen to that podcast if you haven't heard it. <laughs> okay, good answer. All right, the riddle is... What begins with an E and only contains one letter? Think about it. If you want if you want to have a think about it, press pause now and then I'll give you the answer in a bit after Amy's had a go. Alright, give me give me the question again. What begins with an E and only contains one letter? E. <laughs> what the hell? Think about it. Say it out loud. What begins with an E? E. But only contains one letter. Did I tell you the answer? Oh, oh, oh envelope. Hey, ah! well done, babes. That's the first one you've got. <laughs> see see the, the clogs going up there then? <laughs> the clogs, the cogs. The cogs. I hate it, Craig. Like, <laughs> I can see there's literally smoke coming out of your headphones now. Oh, I'm so clever. Well done, babes. If you've got that, hats off so to you. Thank you. All right, it is time to announce the competition winner. So we um, obviously use like a randomizer to pick this one. So I'll just give you the comment that... The comment or the review or what? The review, sorry, the review that was said. I love your podcast. I just finished them all. I listened to them while I was at my cleaning job. You have inspired me and my husband to go traveling when the travel restrictions is lifted in England. Thank you for your great content. Amazing. Who was it? The winner of this season's competition is a lady called Rianne Dridge. Yay! Well done, Leanne. Hats off to you, mate. Um, drop us an email and uh, or DM us on Instagram and we'll sort you out with some King It merchandise. Well done. So that is it, babes. We're done. Season 10 is over. That's it done. Thanks again to Surfshark for sponsoring it. Absolutely. We have no idea when we're going to be back. We don't know what we're going to do next. Yeah, so if you've got any ideas, like let us know. I know I would love to do another random 10, but we did struggle at the end of this to, to think a topic. So yeah. if somebody could send us a list of 10, that would be great. Or, no yeah. commission. Or, <laughs> yeah. or do you want to hear like more about our life? Or oh, I'm not into that. I'm not into just talking <laughs> about us. Craig, I'm, I'm a pioneer now. Did you not hear me? <laughs> you and your pig. I don't need to talk about myself. We need to talk about other people. Other people will talk about you for you. Hopefully, in future. I'll tell you a story, babe. Be like, she's a bit smelly. She's a bit weird, but she's quite nice. But aren't all the greats a bit smelly? For me? Well, you know, I, I'm going to have to go and live Name in... Name me a great smelly person. Yeah. Who? Me. <laughs> if you're not following us on Instagram, what are you playing at? If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, what are you playing at? And all the rest of it. Still leave us reviews. We need to get to number one again. Other than that, babes, have you got any words of wisdom or anything you want to leave the people with? Words of wisdom. Um, I think a little roundup of this whole thing would just be watch lots of crime documentaries because they're really interesting. Yeah, um, good. Drown people in kindness. There you go. Inspire the life out of your peers. Tell people that 
you love them and care about them, even if you just text them, if you're British and you, you don't like saying it out loud. Yeah. And always remember to rule your own world. One, two, three, bye. bye.